You might be seated. This message tonight will speak to all of us. Uh, all of us are in the same boat as it relates to life. Life sometimes uh, is fun. Sometimes life is questionable. Sometimes life is hard. Sometimes life is mysterious. And always life brings a whole lot of surprises. Have you noticed that? About the time you think you have it figured out, something else changes and comes uh, your way. I talked to someone today who is fighting cancer with everything that they can. And, and I said, uh, six months ago, you would have never thought that you would be fighting a level four cancer in your body, did you? No, no pastor, everything going well and uh, occupationally doing well, financially doing well, and then this, and it, it has been uh, quite a journey. Uh, another organization that I met with this week, you know, we're three million behind in meeting our budget, Pastor, and we need prayer, and, and uh, could you uh, just speak over us? Well, you know, it's not like it's $100,000. I mean, for some of you, you would manage that pretty easily, but $3 million, that, that's a good amount of money, don't you think? Sure, don't you think? Thank you so much. Uh, there were times in my life that $25 was a monumental amount. I mean, $25, I couldn't pay the insurance man that was coming to collect his uh, monthly premium. And I thought, oh, Lord, what in the world am, am I going to do? There is an illustration in the process of this message tonight, and I, I hope you're just kind of jotting down a few quotes or some of the notes. Dwight Moody said, I have more trouble with myself than any other man I've ever met. I have more trouble with me than any other man that I have ever met. And one of the greatest gifts that God has given us, we know the gift of life. That's beautiful, but he's also given us the gift of choice, to be able to choose. And there's only one or two things you're going to do with that ability for you to choose. It's either going to be yes or it's going to be no. Sometimes the journey to get to that decision can be difficult because there are some that find it difficult to make a decision, period. Even, where do you want to go for dinner? I don't know. Where do you want to go? Well, tell me something. I don't know. I can't. You figure it out. Hello? And others, you can ask them, and they'll make a decision right away, i.e., McDonald's is fine with me. Well, I don't really want to go there. How many get the point? Sure. Some people never like having to make a decision, and so their life often flows by the power of circumstances or the power of the influence of others. And we'll talk about that a little more in, in just a moment. But I want to say to you, you have to believe in your future, and you have to believe in who you are in Christ. You see, often our decision-making process, think about it in your own life, is that the conclusion that we come to often is affected or influenced by several things. Number one, a historical perspective. 
You make some, in, some uh, decisions by historical perspective. Well, the last time I had this decision that I had to make, I chose wrong. So I remember that, and I'm not doing that again. Another's environmental influence, you know, how you were raised, the family, what they believe. Another, of course, the influence of others. If I you, I wouldn't do that. Uh, this is what I think I'd do, and if there's enough of them that gets together, it becomes an easy decision. I had an individual who is a professional teacher that came to me the other day, and he asked this question, how do you, how do you, how do you tune out all the voices trying to tell you how to do your job? You know what I told him? I'm glad you asked. I said, you got to believe in what God has spoken to you about. You got to know who you are and you got to determine if you believe in your own vision. If you do, take all the counsel you want and then make a decision that coincides with the will of God. Hello? Not only that, success or failures. Want to make that decision the last time I made it or the last time I didn't make it ignorance or education. I made it out of stupidity. I should have read up on it. Or in fact, dependent on nature itself. How do you make that call? And then finally, natural inclinations. Natural inclinations. You see, fighting for your future blessing, and all of us in this room have a blessing that God desires to give us. He has a deliverance for us. He has a bright future that will take us into the perfect plan and will of God. But all of us, we fight for that blessing and getting your blessing and getting deliverance and having your dream come to pass, friend, get this, is a process. It doesn't happen automatically. It just doesn't happen. It's a process. And the Bible says, and I stand on this, that, hey, nothing is impossible to those who believe. The Apostle Paul said, and this is what he said about his desire in his life in Philippians 3.12. He said, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. And he said, I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. I'm not second-guessing. I know where God is at, and that's where I'm headed. And to get anything done in your life, to have any pleasure, to accomplish any goal, to climb any mountain, to solve any problem, there is a process. And here's what you need to remember in your life. Number one, be passionate. Say that with me. Be passionate. Say it again. Be passionate. How many of you are naturally passionate people? May I see your hand? How many of you ladies out there have a man that's passionate about you? Let's have the altar call right now, friend. That's what we need to do right now. Be passionate. Mark 2, verse 3, some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. And so we find that faith is in action here. You know what the story is. It's in Mark chapter, Mark chapter 2. It is the story of the seriously crippled man. His, his, his problem was a physical crippling. He had four friends that loved him. He had a crowd that didn't care much about him. He acted out of faith. He had jealous teachers. All that's in our story. He had a caring Savior, and he had a stubborn determination. And the crippled man apparently had a strong desire to be healed. That had been his desire. His sickness had no doubt hindered him from achieving his future. 
or what he thought that he wanted to have. And he was dependent upon others for his own survival. Well, we know the reason he was so uh, excited about Jesus. Jesus, of course, had already healed Peter's mother-in-law. Not only that, he's already cast the devil out of several people there at the beginning of the second chapter and end of the first chapter. He'd already healed leprosy. He'd already performed numerous miracles that said people crowded in upon him, and he healed many of their sickness and of their disease. Well, all of a sudden, he gets a news flash that, hey, Jesus is, is coming. And so what did he do? He didn't waste any time because his desire to get deliverance was extremely great. He did not say, you boys, go to Jesus and bring him here. Here's what he said. You guys help me get to where Jesus is is. And that's a passion that we have to have in the pursuit of God. For when we have problems that tax us down and burdens that overwhelm us and problems we cannot resolve, let me tell you what God wants you to do. He desires for you to pursue Him, for you to seek His face, for you to go toward Him and believe that, in fact, He is able he had no hope necessarily for the future, but he heard that Jesus was able and he was passionate about that. Well, did he have any faith? He had faith because of what he had heard about the other miracles. And if you feed your faith, your faith will grow. And not only that, if you feed your doubts, your doubts will grow. So whatever giant that you're facing, whatever challenge that you have faced in the past, whatever challenge that you face in the future, you're either going to have faith to believe that God knows what he's doing, or you're going to doubt and let the circumstances, in fact, beat you up. You see, possessing passion, which is a strong desire and determination for what you need in life, and that Jesus Christ is important. Here are eight necessities for positive results when you come to challenges. I remember my building program when I was down in Mulberry and we'd borrowed uh, several hundred thousand dollars in, had a building program there in, I don't know, 50 years, I guess. And, and we came and the church just just exploded. We have to build. We had cars. Sure, the old church was in a neighborhood, cars parking in neighbors' lawns. And I mean, they didn't like it and put parking signs up and crime tape around it. And it was just a real, real, real challenge. And so we just had to get out of there and build. And I said, okay. And it was a, it was, uh, it was one of those cost plus jobs. So we hired the church hired a building superintendent, which served as our own contractor, Cost Plus, and we began to build. But we got toward the end there, and uh, the prices went up uh, more than we anticipated, and there was a cost overrun of about 10%. Now, let me tell you, if you're in construction, if you can hold a cost overrun under 10%, you're doing pretty good. That's pretty good. But ours, we need an extra $50,000. I thought, what in the name of the Lord am I going to do now? How am I going to go back down to that bank and say we need more money? How are we going to be able to do that? I already had Mr. Badcock in the bag and to sell that old church, my friend. God did a miracle there. But how am I going to go back? I still know the name of the vice president that I had to talk to. I went in and I said, here's what we need. 
He said, okay, uh, I worried about that. I said, I worried about it. How many know what worrying about it means? I fretted over it. I didn't sleep for several nights. And I thought, well, God, here's what I know. You put everything into place. You reached out and you saved the executive vice president of the Bangkok Corporation. You, in fact, God made a way when there is no way that we could. Now, Lord, when I go see that banker, I know that you're going to answer prayer. Oh, my Lord, have mercy. I went in with with fear and trembling. And he said, what do you need, Reverend? And leaned back in his chair, had his tie on in his coat. I said, well, I, I just need 50,000. Well, in 1976, 50,000 was a lot of money. How many think it still is today? Sure. You know what he said? Are you sure that's all you need? <laughs> you know what I'm thinking, dummy? You didn't sleep last night. You worried about it. You scrambled over it. You had doubt in your heart. And he's asking you, is that all you need? And I said, for now for now you see my friend here are eight necessities you turn to your neighbor and say you you must believe in your heart for results whatever challenge you're trying to accomplish whatever prayer that you're praying whatever the big thing is whatever the the nuisance is whatever the agitation is you have to believe in your heart for results number two you must be committed to the dream or the future what what you you believe in it number three you must surround yourself with encourages amen people that encourage you I mean, go, go ahead and tell them what's going on and let them encourage you. And you say, well, I don't have anybody around that encourages me. Get rid of them. Go find you some encouragers. And then here's another. You must build your faith on the Word of God. On the Word of God. And you must look past the barriers that are there because I promise the minute you put it in gear to go forward to accomplish what God desires for you to accomplish, to get your healing, whether it's mental, emotional, emotional or physical or spiritual, there will be barriers that are there. And you must renew your plan of action when in doubt. Over, God, what did you call me to do? And you must learn from your mistakes. And then finally, you must never, ever quit. A strong desire is a passion for achievement that will not subside until the achievement is enjoyed. That crippled man, whatever your crippling disease is, it said he had that strong desire to be healed. And he had friends that was willing to help him support that goal. Paul said, I have kept the faith. Your desire for achieving an answer to your prayer for achieving, of course, that dream, achieving a better life, achieving not to repeat the same mistakes, my friend, is the single catalyst in possessing what you need. You need to be able to describe it, 
those around you are encouraging you and committed to it and the actions that you have, my friend, are you willing to fight to believe God that it will happen? Are you, are you looking at Goliath and say, I see you beheaded? Are you looking at that condition and say, I see healing there? Are you looking at that mortgage payment that's strangling you? I see this thing reduced by the grace of God. And then not only passionate, you have to be persistent. Be persistent. Say that with me. Be persistent. Someone asked me, are you praying that storm away? I'm not. I'm not. I don't want to pray it for four Myers. Somebody, do you really think God would answer your prayer? Absolutely. I'm saying, Lord, your will be done. If it comes and hits us, I got an umbrella. How many know what I'm talking about? I got 48 bottles of water. How many remember when we called bread light bread? Anybody remember that? Yeah. I got bread. I got hot dogs. They're good cold or hot. Are you with me? Sure. What, what, what am I saying to you? The, the things that you can control in your life and you say, God, that's simply not going to rock my world. I'm going to be persistent in my efforts to see what I believe you have for me come to pass. Mark 2, 4, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the man, the paralyzed man, or the mat the paralyzed man was on. They just, uh, they were excellent in doing that. Monday night football, a number of years ago when how many of you remember uh, Walter Payton? Yeah, great football player. Uh, when the Chicago Bears and the New York Giants, they, they were playing. One of the announcers of that game uh, said this regarding the Bears running back. said he has accumulated more than nine miles in career rushing yards. More than nine miles in career rushing yards. The other announcer remarked and said, yeah. And that's with somebody knocking him down every 4.6 yards. Wow. Walter Payton knows that everyone, even the very best, gets knocked down. But be persistent. The key to success is to get up and run again just as hard as you did before you hit the barrier and you, got, you pushed the setback. That is absolutely the truth. A strong desire always will be tested. It will. It'll be tested by other people. It'll be tested by circumstances. And don't forget this. It'll be tested by satanic influence. If you're making a, a move toward God to be more passionate, to see God do a miracle in your life, friend, let me tell you, the devil does not want that to take place in your life. The Bible has more than 32,000 promises in it, and they're all a gift from God. But Satan will do everything that he can to stop us from enjoying these promises. We come through the process. He'll create the barrier that will hinder you and seeing your reality and your dream and your deliverance to be muffled. But listen, having a strong desire is not enough. You must be persistent. All right, God, 
that didn't work. I'm going at it this way. How many's ever read Chicken Soup? Chicken Soup for the Soul. How many ever you ever seen it? Okay, you, you, all right. Let me. All right. Now, how many's seen it? <laughs> Wonderful. A lot better hand rise. So you have to work at getting the response you're looking for, friend. But chicken, chicken soup, this one is the first one. 101 stories to open the heart and rekindle the spirit. I have used a ton of stories out of this book in uh, my preaching. But when the first text of Chicken Soup for the Soul was written, it was taken to 33 publishers. And uh, 33 publishers turned it down. Health Communications agreed to publish it. All the major publishers in New York said, one, to quote, it's too nicety nice. And no one wants to read a book of little short stories. But I can report to you that over time, the numerous volumes of chicken soup have sold over 500 million copies worldwide and the major publishers said it will never happen but tell the 500 million purchasers of this book that it wouldn't all of us are at the threshold of a great story to tell all of us are at the threshold of being able to say with confidence look what the Lord has done and it all happens when you're passionate about deliverance, passionate about your future, passionate about the dream, passionate about overcoming, and you become persistent to say, God, I know what I know. I know that I believe. And the crippled man moved toward that deliverance. And four men helped him. The crowd, of course, was pushing against him. They were well-intentioned people, but why should you get and get your miracle to Jesus before I do? And time was not on their side. And reality, when they got there, reality hit them in the face. And when reality hit these men in the face, the guy who was crippled said, if you study carefully, listen, there is a way to get me to where the Galilean is. Well, you know what? When you're pushed to go beyond rejection number one, amen? When you're pushed to go beyond rejection number two. How many's ever been rejected at least once or twice? I have. If you're pushed beyond rejection number three, well, what if it happens again? Rejection number four. Here's what you do when rejection three and four go. You go back to your vision. You go back to your plan. You go back and you hear the word of the Lord one more time because when you hear it one more time, that will pick you up and you will come away from there and say, I don't care if I'm rejected 10 times, I still am going to keep going for the goal. He told the men, Hey, I'm not going to let you give up. And so they had to figure out what they needed to do, what they needed to do. You know what? It's kind of like going to a counter and somebody tells you, well, you, you, can't, uh, you can't buy that here, et cetera. You know what I do when I get a no? And I, I'm thinking, I, I know, bless, bless his heart, bless her heart. 
bless their heart, whatever it is. I, I know that they're probably, you know, they're doing their best job, but they may not know everything there is to know. I'll go to another cashier and I'll say, hey, you know what? I was just wondering, and if I get another no and I really want it, I'll go to another cashier. You say, you really do that? Absolutely, my friend, because if I even sense that it's somewhere in the house and I want it, I'm going to keep on until I find somebody who happens to know where it's at. Amen? Somebody said, Pastor, you're warped. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's warped. Go ahead. It's all right. See, they became, we never get creative unless we have to. We very seldom get created if there's no sacrifice involved. We very seldom get creative for something that costs nothing. But we do get creative when we realize that someone's future is riding on the success of that plan. They were innovative. They were inspired and they were motivated. They were determined and persistent. You see, the barriers only motivated them toward their goal. This man, he's healing people. Some are coming out of the house, and they are healed. They pushed through that crowd, got through the roof, and Jesus saw their action, and their faith was, in fact, demonstrated as that man came down. You see, Jesus knew what he needed. That's pretty nifty, guys. What does he say? Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. That meant that whatever's been holding you back, whatever barrier the enemy's putting in your path, whatever your mind has been believing that's not been positive in faith, your sin is forgiven. Why did he say that? It wasn't just for the man who was on the mat. He knew there were teachers there that did not understand the supernatural. He knew there were teachers there that did not understand the deity of Almighty God. And when he said, your sins are forgiven, we know at that moment that man was absolutely healed. Persistence is to move forward in spite of resistance and opposition. You see, it moves when others are retreating, and, and you ask yourself, am I in a retreat mode regarding this challenge in my life? Are we in a retreat mode about that person that's not? Are we in a retreat mode about the challenges we're facing financially? Are we saying, God, somewhere out there, there is a miracle that's waiting to happen for me. Somewhere out there, there is an answer. Somewhere out there, God, there is a process that I'm going to learn from, and it's going to be your, for your honor and, in fact, your glory. Finally. Be prepared. And I would encourage you with a coming storm, be prepared. Turn to your neighbor and say, be prepared. Be prepared. Be prepared. Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you 
thinking these things. He's talking about the teachers who were there to give observation to all the miracles that were taking place. Dr. Ignatius Plaza came right out of chiropractic school and wanted to set up his practice in Monterey Bay in the area there in California. He visited several people that he admired in that industry. And every one of them told them, don't set up your practice here. We already have more chiropractors in this area than we have a customer base. So the next four months, Dr. Plaza spent 10 hours a day going door to door. True story. Introducing himself as the new chiropractic doctor in town. He knocked on 12,500 doors. He spoke to 6,500 people and invited them to come to his future open house. And as a result of his perseverance, his passion, and commitment, during his first month of practice, he saw 233 new patients and earned a record income for that time of more than $72,000 one month. You see, when God gives you the dream, God gives you the future, God offers you that problem is so you can experience deliverance but faith without jeopardy. Hello? Faith without works is dead. I want to say to some of you, you're listening and some of you are listening online. God is speaking directly to you and he's giving you this message from his throne. To change your faith, to change your trajectory, and to say, God, you are speaking to me. Some of you may need to go back and redig some old wells that are covered up. Some of you may to re need to revisit a place where God gave you a vision. Some of you may have to look at some areas in which you tried and tried and tried and you threw your hands up and you quit and you were bitter and wept bitterly because you really did feel that God wanted you to do that. You see, you have to be that persistent. Believe me that when you march forward with determination and focused passion and breaking through the barriers with a song of victory in your heart, others, others will be angry. They will be resentful. They will be jealous and they'll be unsupportive. Sometimes the only person that celebrates your victory is you and God. And sometimes nobody would have known as those patients came through Plaza's clinic 
that he spent four months knocking on 12,500 doors. The only time they remember is when he came to their door. They didn't know that there were 6,499 other people that he spoke to. But that's what it took for him to break the barrier of the mindset of the sitting professionals. God is waiting for new ground to be plowed. He's waiting for a new experience that can come from you. The teachers were there to question Jesus about what he did. Jesus knew what they were thinking. He confronted them and he said, you know what? I know what you're thinking. It really doesn't matter what you think. And what you think whether I did is correct or not. How dare he say, your sins be forgiven. What kind of man? That's blasphemy for him to tell anyone your sins. Who does he think he is? Jesus had the confidence to know who he was. And he said, it doesn't really matter what you're thinking. The enemy will just offend you if he can in the ministry that you've got. So what do you do? You are prepared. You're prepared for the naysayer. You're prepared to achieve the goal. You you more than push through the barriers and the unbelieving world will persecute you. And if you fight for your deliverance, you must determine that you will not please everyone. Some people will not be happy and resistance will come if it's worth its salt as it relates to the glory of God. Some of you have gone through heartbreak. Someone broke your heart, pulled it out, crushed it, stepped on it. Let them go. Let them go. Let them go. Let God reach down and pick your broken heart up and put it back in place and put a fresh inspiration of anointing in your life so that you can say, Oh God, I truly do believe the best is yet to come. Resistance will come. You talk about your deliverance. You know, you sustain that strong desire and trust God and listen to the voice of God as he directs you. David Hartman went blind at the age of eight. His dream was to be a medical doctor, but that dream was thwarted by Temple University Medical School out of high school got his undergraduate, and then went to Temple University Medical School, and they told him, no one without eyesight has ever completed medical school. Well, that seems rational to me. No one's ever done it. But you know what you need to remember? There's always a first. Amen? There's always a first. No one's ever done it. Well, he just stepped back, courageously faced the challenge of reading medical books, 25, 30, and had each of those medical books audio recorded so he could listen to them. And he listened to every one of them and everything he could get his hands on. And at 27 years of age, David Hartman became the first blind student ever to graduate and complete medical school. The first. In this room, there is a a, a presence of the Holy Spirit that hopefully God will take the weak flame 
that you came with that tonight you were not expecting that flame to be ignited at all. But God is speaking to you and the Lord is inspiring you and you feel a new fresh of adrenaline come into your life and you're about to stand up courageously like, the, like David did and say, I don't come in the name of myself or the strength or Saul or anyone else. He said, I come in the name of the Lord and God has for you. That wonderful dream deliverance voice that will give you a brighter future than what the devil ever anticipated for you to enjoy. I believe that. If you do, let's put our hands together and give the Lord a clap offering. Would you stand, please, Heavenly Father? I thank you tonight for all that you've done for us. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you because I know that, that there are many things in our life and in our lives that we have been faced with. There are many circumstances that often have pushed us down. And Lord, every time we try to get up in some arena, the enemy constantly just lashes out at us. But there is a remarkable presence of the Holy Spirit in this place. There is a hand of deliverance. There is a voice of encouragement. There is an anointing that came right from the heart of God. And it's in this room. And God, we know that you always give us the privilege of choice. Do I obey God or do I not obey God? And whatever we decide, we live with the results of that decision. Some in this room, you have ordained this moment to be a moment of absolute overcoming, anointing, to bring to pass their prayers and to give deliverance in some areas and to bring a miracle where there seems to have been no miracle anywhere. But tonight, if we're obedient to you, you will make it happen. For this is the night that you have chosen. For those listening online, God, this is their moment. It's not by accident that they've tuned in tonight. Or whenever they happen to see this video at that moment, that's the moment for them. So we're looking toward you and asking you to give us wisdom and guidance. I want to ask everybody in the house to repeat this prayer with me right now. Would you do that? Here we go. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I believe he died for my sins. I trust him. I now confess my sins. I believe that I am forgiven. I believe Jesus rose from the dead. And I believe that I sense his presence in my heart right now. Forgive me for every doubt and every fear. Tonight, Heavenly Father, I lay my heart into your hands. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to sing this chorus. I sense in my spirit someone is absolutely going to get a precious, a precious gift from God tonight, an affirmation.
an affirmation. Yeah, you thought I was absent. You thought it was over. But tonight, I have once again resurrected the promise that I've given to you. If you prayed that prayer a minute ago and you may feel, I just need to slip into the altar. Are you one of those individuals that God is speaking to? We will not wait long because you need to act on your faith now. And as we sing, as God directs your heart, you be obedient to him. And we'll see what God does. Here we go, everybody. Come as you will, anyone. darkness my God that is who you are we're going to wait on you for a moment we make miracle work promise keep light in the darkness my God that is who you are we know who you are we make miracle work Those of you out there, just raise your hands in this direction, please. Heavenly Father, we raise our hands toward those in the front, the altar. We pray a supernatural dispensation of your power would rest upon them. We pray that everything the Spirit of God has will be given to them. I pray you'll lift them up, boister their faith, give them a confidence that only comes out of obedience. And may they see in the very near future, God, their circumstance begin to change that will be Christ-honoring. I pray they'll leave this room tonight believing in their heart that, Father God, you have touched them by the divine order of the same healing virtue that you said to the man, your sin is forgiven. And he was healed miraculously in that moment. Let it be so in this room. And we give you praise and minister to the need of every person. We again pray for that storm. God, you direct it. We're going to trust you. We know you know what's going on. And we bow to you in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to continue in the altar. If you need to come, you come. We're going to sing. You may go and fellowship, whatever it is you feel God directing you to do. Here we go. Oh.